God's in the details. God is in the details. We need to change our, our words that we use and stop saying that devil's in the details. God is in the details. He knows what he's doing. We don't have to worry about if he's getting old and forgetful and gray-haired and senile and all that other stuff. He knows what he's doing. I mean, I just look at my own life. <laughs> if the Lord saved me, I, he definitely knows what he's doing. Because, <laughs> you know, he, step, he stepped back and he let me get in, in the middle of all my mess. And then he gently just started saying, come on, come on this way. And, you know, I, I've taken sort of, I guess, in years past credit for things that have happened in my life, like when I quit drinking and when I quit smoking cigarettes. And But I have kind of transitioned that into giving God all the glory for that. Because he was the one that had to prompt me to do that in the first place. And I, if you'd asked me back then, is, is God prompting you to do this? I would have said, no, this is me. It's all me. That's what I believed. But it really wasn't as I look back. He was already starting to work on me, starting to just, he, he didn't take it away all at once. He didn't. He just took it away in little stages so when it, it wouldn't feel so bad, it wouldn't be so hard. And when it got to the point where he said, step over that line and come and serve me, it was not a problem. Because most of that I'd already left behind. It's not that way for everybody. I've seen God, uh, and I know of situations where God has had somebody just an abject, every, doing everything and doing anything they could do, come to an altar, and the next day, boom, they're done. All of it. Dropped it at the altar, left it there, and never picked it up again. So he, God has his ways. He knows he can do that too. <laughs> he can't do that to everybody. But he knows who's ready. Saul was ready. He was he was on his way to persecute more Christians and he was he got he got his world turned upside down in a matter of moments. So we read that sometimes and we think, wow, that's really cool. Oh, it'd been cool to be Saul. Well, some of us were like that. We were just we were headed off in the headed for the ditch. And he stopped us somewhere along the way and said, Nope. I got something better for you. And he had to throw some things in our life like he did Saul. He had to throw some blindness and some other stuff into Saul's life to kind of get him to go, Urk! Oh, 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 Jesus, you're the one talking to me from out of nowhere. Because he asked, who art thou, Lord? He was a Jew. He was a, he was a Pharisee. He understood who Jehovah, Yeshua God was. He said, who art thou? Who Who is this talking to me? Not the devil. It's not you. It had to be God. Amen? I don't know why I said all that, but maybe God's talking to somebody in here. Maybe it's just he's telling me to tell you that. Some little stuff, the little thoughts you think are your thoughts, they're not your thoughts, they're his. He's trying to prompt you. He's trying to lead you. He's trying to gently... Pull you in a direction. Right? Little kids don't learn their ABCs. The Japanese don't learn all 3,000 characters of the hiragana in first grade. 
There's no way. Learn all those characters. So they start teaching. They break them down into little pieces, and they give them a little bit in first grade, and then they give them a little bit in second grade. And by the time they, if they last through senior year of high school, most of them don't, they know all 3,000 characters. Right? Can you imagine trying to do that all at once? No way. Little kids learn their ABCs in little steps. So God's going to take us in little steps to get us where he wants us to be. So does that mean we ever get to the end of our little steps? Nope. Just when we thought we got there. <laughs> you know, oh no, I got more, I got further for you to go. You know, you thought this was the end of the road? <laughs> no, it's not. There's more for you. Right? There's more for us today. Praise God. So good to see everybody today. So good to be back here. Pray for me. Struggling with this summer cold. I don't know if there's such a thing, but I have it. Amen. So it's been plaguing me for a couple of days. And amen. God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. He can even touch my voice while I'm speaking and allow me to say this. So we're talking about the waterway, if you haven't figured that out already. We're talking about the waterway. Well, what's the waterway? Well, we're, we're basically talking about in our What's important to us today is the water baptism in Jesus' name. <clears throat> but as we discussed last Sunday, the waterway goes it goes way back before we ever had the day of Pentecost and John baptizing people under repentance and all that. Those were all after something else that had already been concealed and re- it was already be- it was being revealed in the New Testament, but it had been concealed. It had already been talked about. He had already started that pattern with the tabernacle in the wilderness, with the brazen altar and the brazen labor and the holy of holies and all those things being types of our very salvation that we enjoy and experience today. The the repentance, pardon me, was that place, that brazen altar where they took the animal sacrifice where all the people would lay their hands on that, that lamb or whatever that spotless animal was and they would transfer their sins, that tribe to that animal, then the priest would take that animal and tie it down to the four corners of that altar and they would burn it with fire. And they would take the blood from that animal and they would carry it. And as they went, they went by this brazen labor, this, this big pool of water, and they would, the priest would cleanse themselves and get all that mess off of them. That's what happens to us in water baptism. We, we go down and we take on the name of Jesus and he puts that blood on us. They put that blood on the doorposts and the lentils when they were leaving is when they were leaving Egypt. As a sign that God would pass by them and not bring destruction in their life. And so we take on that name that we go through that brazen labor. It's a voluntary thing. And then the priest would cleanse himself and put on his his, his priestly robes that before he would go into the to the holy place and the holy of holies, and there the presence of the Lord would come down and accept that sacrifice of blood. And so that's that's typical of us receiving the Holy Ghost. Because what is the Holy Ghost but the Holy Spirit? What's the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of Almighty God coming to dwell in this temple. He was he was dwelling in a physical temple that man built. Well, now God built the temple. The Bible says our, our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, or it's supposed to be. This is our temple, right? 
Even a doctor will tell you that. You better take care of your temple. You better take care of your of this thing. If you don't, it won't take care of itself. It's not maintenance free. It takes effort. It takes work. You got to take care of yourself, right? And especially if this thing is housing the precious, precious presence of Almighty God. But it all started with, with water. And we kind of all started with water, didn't we? Or in water, right? We all came from a little sack of amniotic fluid, didn't we? So that's that's kind of typical of the new birth. It's when, when Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, started asking him questions, he said, Except a man be born again of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus, trying to understand it with his natural mind, said, Wait, whoa, whoa. How can a man, when he's already old, climb back in the womb and be born again? That doesn't make sense, Jesus. But he wasn't telling him about a natural birth. He's talking about a spiritual birth. And that spiritual birth... It's just like a natural birth. There's birth pains. When that baby comes out of that water, it makes a sound that it never made before, ever, in its entire life. Now, you wouldn't, we wouldn't call it language, but we, when a mother has that baby, what is she listening for? That sound. There's a sound coming out of the mouth of that baby. To us, it's not a language, but it, that's that's typical of what art what happens to us. We begin to speak and say things we never said before. Right? Anybody in here that's experienced that knows what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you need to experience that. I didn't believe it till it happened to me. <laughs> but once it happened, all bets are off. I'm a believer now. You can't tell me that that's not real. You can't even tell me that's not for today. That is for today. And tomorrow and next week and next month and until Jesus comes. How did the people know that God accepted their sacrifice? This cloud of glory would come down. And then the priest would walk back out of there and say, Sacrifice on the mercy seat. Jesus, he received it, and they were in awe of that. And they got their sins pushed back for another year. We talked about last week, (laughs) how in the world, after a couple of times of doing that, would you keep on sinning? I mean, I'd be wanting to go back to the family and go, guys, if we just quit sinning, we don't have to take an animal next year. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That didn't work that way. Because why? They're flesh. They, they they didn't want to. It just happened. And so they would have to, so we don't have to push that back anymore. We don't have to keep going every year to the water baptism. Can you imagine, Sister Bell, <laughs> getting baptized every year? No way. Jesus did away with that. He became our high priest. He took that whole, all those steps into that holy place, and he took the blood, his own blood, for us. Right? And he made he made it so all we have to do is just take on his name. Have that blood applied. 
Amen. So God had a plan from the very beginning for this waterway. So let's go to the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 22 through 27. Acts 2, 22 through 27. I'll give you a minute to get there. When you're there, say amen. I didn't get all the amens yet. Are you there yet? Amen. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders God did by him. You yourselves also know. They knew. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and for, this is really important, the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken by wicked hands and have crucified him and slain. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord also before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was so was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. What hope? The hope that this is all real and, you know, something you hope for, you, you just kind of look forward to it. You, you're, 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 it's like a baby coming. You're expecting it. You can't wait for that day to come. And so we're living for that day. There is going to be a day. Like one preacher said, when someday becomes today. We, sometimes we, we say to ourselves, oh, someday I'm going to do this, and someday I'm going to do that, and all of a sudden, one day, someday is today. <laughs> someday I'm going to have my driver's license. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're 16, and you're standing in the DMV, and you're taking your test, and wow, it's happening. It's no more someday, it's today. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou... Suffer thine holy one to see corruption. So what was Peter saying here? He wasn't mistake. God determined these things to happen in the exact way that he planned. The Jameson, James, James Fawson and, and Brown commentary says that, that, that determinate counsel in verse three and foreknowledge means that God's fixed plan and perfect foresight of all steps involved in it. So God had a plan. He had a plan. He didn't just think this 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 new birth experience up when when after Jesus was born. He didn't sit back and say, "Okay, now what do I do?" He, he didn't make it up as he went along. He had a plan from the very beginning to restore us to Himself. That's what the whole point of of even the tabernacle plan in the wilderness was. God trying to get His chosen people. To, to restore their relationship with him. Because he didn't, he didn't call them so that he could destroy them for their sin. He wanted to keep them. And so he gave them these things. In Revelations 13 and 8 says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lambs that was slain from the foundation of the world. So even the concept of Jesus dying on the cross, this says lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In the mind and the plan and the will of God, he was already, he already died on the cross. Because 
we know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the ending. There's no, he's already at the end of your life waiting for you to get there. If you want to look at it that way, he already knows everything that's going to happen in your life. You do, if he told you, he'd freak you out. So he doesn't, he doesn't give us all the details. He just lets us walk one step at a time. He gives us light for just the next step. If you're really walking with him, he's not going to give you any more light. He might give you a vision. He might show you some stuff, but he's not going to tell you when that's going to happen. That might be 10 years down the road. You might think it needs to happen tomorrow. But God's got his timeline. He knows where you're supposed to be and when you're supposed to be there. He knows what your destiny is. It's a matter of us getting on the timeline and getting in in the midst of God's destiny for us and not our own. Because the Bible says what? We are not our own. We're bought with a price. We belong to him. That's talking about slavery. Oh, we don't do that anymore. Oh, yeah, we do. (laughs) Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, he says that several times in his writings. What is he saying? Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. That's what happened when when he had that experience on that road to Damascus. Paul realized he was no longer his own. And that, and that, that guy in Ananias that came to him, Jesus said, you're going to tell him what things he must suffer for my name's sake. Wait a minute. You mean I got to suffer some stuff? No, I'm not doing it. Paul didn't say that, did he? So we have to realize that we might have to suffer some things if we really, truly believe that we belong to him. We don't get to have a say then. I know that's just hard for some people because we're flesh. To actually acknowledge and live your life as though you don't get to have a say. You know, the Bible says that to be careful that we, that we take kind of take this attitude. If the Lord wills, and I say this at work a lot and they kind of laugh and chuckle about it, but I, I still say it. I say, they say, well, we'll see you Monday after I get off work Friday. And I say, well, good Lord willing in the creek don't rise. And I say that kind of in jest, but I mean it. If the good Lord wills, I'll be here Monday. I don't know what's going to happen this weekend. I might get run over by a dump truck, you know, or something. <clears throat> and so, and so the one guy's like, now he says it. Hey Vince, good good Lord willing, creek don't rise. I'll see you on Monday. <laughs> so I'm already affecting them. But it, and he asked me one day, what did I mean by that? And I, and I told him, he's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm 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 making little inroads. I, I'm getting into their head, if you want to put it that way. Because there was a day one day where somebody had to start planting stuff in my head, getting me to start thinking different. It was just little stuff like that. This didn't seemingly innocuous stuff at first, but it's like one little bit here and a little more here, and it starts kind of stacking up, and then you start going, wow, wait a minute, there's a there's a picture here. It's like putting together a jigsaw puzzle, right? Oh, wow, I can start to see the picture. I found all the right pieces and put them together, right? Isaiah 53 tells the story as if it had already been, as it already happened. I'm not going to go there and read it. Because in the mind of God, it had already happened. If you get some time, read Isaiah 53. You ought to know it. That's one of those ones like 
like Psalm 27. You ought to have that one memorized. What's Psalm 27? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You need, that's a good prayer to pray. The Lord's just, when you're down, when you're having a difficult time, the Lord's the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though hosts should encamp against me, and so on and so on. So we need to know what Isaiah 53 says. Because it's, it's like, <laughs> it's like telling the story of Jesus Christ and the whole thing. You think you're sitting in the New Testament when you're reading Isaiah 53. And do you think Isaiah understood what he was saying? He had no clue. He was just saying what God told him to say. Sometimes God gives us stuff without understanding necessarily, but we just have to trust that he knows what he's doing. Isaiah didn't know that he was giving us prophetic words, and them in that day prophetic words for the Jesus that was coming. So those guys, those religious Jews in the in the Sanhedrin and all that that crucified Jesus, they had no excuse. They had no excuse. If they really studied the Scriptures, they had to have read Isaiah 53 at some point. Maybe they didn't get the Rufus Parker class on how to read your Bible through in a year or something. I don't know. But they weren't reading their Scriptures, right? They couldn't have been. Because if they really were studying and reading that stuff, they would have recognized who this guy was that kept saying, before Abraham was, I am, and stuff like that. They wouldn't have been ripping their clothes off and throwing dirt in the air and wanting to kill him for for trying to say that he was God. So they couldn't have been reading their Bible through, right? They didn't have bread schedules or Bibles back in that day. But those guys had the scrolls. They had the scriptures. They knew that stuff. They were educated people. That was their job to know the scriptures. So how important is it for us to know the scriptures? I didn't say memorize them. Know what it says. Oh, yeah, Isaiah 53. Oh, my gosh, I've read that. Oh, that is so awesome. I mean, we should weep when we read that. He was despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Acquainted with grief? That's like you're going through it all the time. You don't ever get a break. If you're acquainted with grief, you go from one thing to another, to another. Some of us would be in the, in the home. It, we would. They would, they would, they would commit us to a home. And there's people like that, that just life comes at them so fast and so hard that they end up out there. They can't deal with it, right? And he dealt with it. You look at his life, right? Baptizo. So that book, that that scripture in the book of Acts where it talks about, <clears throat> then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, because they asked him a question. And he said, essentially, you asked, so I'm going to give you the answer. Right? And he said, he told them, he said, they want, they, men and brethren, what shall we do? We, okay, 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 we get it. We, we feel the conviction from God that, all right, we were the ones that, we did it. And there was all Jews there that day. So they knew. At least 3,000 of them did anyway. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And he said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. 
have the name of Jesus Christ called over you. In baptism, that word baptizo there means to dip, immerse, submerge for a religious purpose, to overwhelm, to saturate, to baptize. Right? It doesn't mean sprinkle. It doesn't, it means immersed. Study it out. You don't even need to go to the Christian bookstore and buy a concordance. There's a free one online. All the commentaries, all that stuff that you want to use to study your Bible, it's all free online. Or you can go to the library and get it and use theirs for free. Just check it out. Nobody else is going to be checking it out. So you might as well get the dust off that thing and use it. I have a, I have a concordance at the house if you want to borrow mine. Because I have one on my iPad now and I don't hardly get the hardbound one out anymore. It's just more convenient to look it up on that digital device. But I still have the hardbound copy. I mean, this stuff's out there. Total immersion. I'm not going to go through and read all these. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 32 verse, or 8. 32 through 39. Acts 8, 32 through 39. i got to hurry up. i got another section to go through. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep. Here you go. Here's another one talking about Jesus. He's, he's referring back to the Old Testament. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. And in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth. Talking about Jesus. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh this prophet? And of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth. That's what we got to do sometimes, just open our mouth. And began the same scripture and preached unto him. Everybody say it. Jesus. And as they went in their way, they came unto certain water. And the eunuch said, see, you know what Peter was preaching to him, right? For him to even respond like this, he had to be talking about this whole thing that we're talking about. And he said, see, here's water. Oh, oh, you were just talking about water. Peter, wait, oh, pull, pull the, pull the chariot over. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Let's do this. I, I can remember knowing people that said, I, I got to be baptized right now. We took a guy in, in Korea when I was there that we were teaching a Bible study to in a library on the military base. He, it was like 11 o'clock at night in wintertime. He had to be baptized right now. So we called the missionary and he said, meet us down at the first church, they called it. Floor looked like this. And the baptismal tank was this little bitty thing about a fourth the size of that because all the Korean people are little. And it was there was no heat in it. So that guy was almost speaking in tongues the minute we put him in the water. Just stammering lips or something. But he did. He, we baptized him that night because it was serious. When he saw it, it was like, I can't wait. That's what this eunuch said. I can't wait. Let's do this thing. And then what happened to fit? God took Philip out of there. 
So sometimes God will send you to places to people just for a moment, just to, to give them enough information to take them to the next step. Some plant, some water, God gives the increase. We don't save people. Oh, that guy, he's, he's brought all, we bring people to God, but we don't save them. What's that scripture say? Jesus actually said it. I will build my church. And the gates of hell should not prevail against it, right? And in the book of Acts, it says, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. In one variation, it says, such as were being saved. How were they being saved? Somebody was discipling them. Somebody was teaching them a home Bible study. Somebody was ministering to them. Somebody was fellowshipping with them, feeding them a meal and talking to them about Jesus. Once again, none of this was an accident. He, you know, he just didn't wasn't making it up as he was going along. Uh, section three, there is a name of, to use in water baptism. Only one name under heaven given among men. Let's go to Acts four and twelve. I mean, these are one of the. This is one of the disciples who was on the day of Pentecost, who walked with Jesus, who heard all the teaching for three and a half years, and when Jesus said. To, for him to go and to teach just like he did, this is what he said. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name. I don't think it says names there, does it? Just one name. Given among men, under heaven, given among men, whereby we m- must be saved. What was that name given among men? What did Jesus' name mean? Jehovah is salvation. Yeshua. Joshua. And in one place in the New Testament, actually referring back to the Old Testament, it says, they, the, the angel told Mary and Joseph what to, and thou shalt call his name what? Emmanuel. Being interpreted what? God with us. So, had those Pharisees even known that scripture, they would, when Jesus said, I'm God, when he told Philip, before Abraham was, I mean, not, that's not what he told Philip. He said, have you not long, all this time known me, Philip? And have you not seen the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I mean, this stuff's kind of obvious. But you know what? There was a time I was living in darkness. And you could have told me this stuff until I was blue in the face, until the cows came home or whatever whatever cute little saying you want to say, but I would have just looked at you like you were just speaking a foreign language. But until the day came when God opened my eyes and let me see it, and I got the revelation from him, there was no, all bets were off at that point. Oh, I see it. I see that Jesus is God, and it says so in the book. Can't run away from that. If you do... It's on you. Not just any name would do. Is To me, that's kind of a, in a nutshell, what, what he was saying. You can't just use any name. You can't just use any formula. You can't just do it your own way. You can't make up your own way of salvation. You can't make up your own plan. God's already got a plan. He already gave it to us. we got to use his plan. Isaiah 12 and 2 said, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. 
For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song, and he also has become my salvation. That word salvation there means Yeshua, a feminine noun meaning salvation, deliverance, help, victory, prosperity. The primary meaning is to rescue from distress or danger. So you're telling me that in the book of Isaiah that they used a word that means Yeshua, which is the name for Jesus? Don't tell me that he wasn't telling us what was coming. God, there's all kinds of, if you want to call them, hints in the Bible, in the Old Testament. All kinds of prophecies, all kinds of pictures and types and shadows of things to come. It was all there. Praise God. Acts 26, 13 through 15 says, And at midday, O king, I saw... In the way, the light, uh, a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me <clears throat> and them that journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And, and it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And don't you know that in the New Testament, that word Jesus translated it's transliterated from the Hebrew Yeshua that we just read in the book of Isaiah. Is that possible? <laughs> of course it is. Say, of course it is. Because this is God's book. He can do it. He can write it any way he wants to. He was trying to, he was trying, and once again, if these, if these Pharisees and all these religious guys had read their Bible, if they'd read their scriptures, if they'd studied, they'd have seen the same thing I'm showing you right now. And there would have been no problem with this Messiah, this child to be born and this son to be given. I mean, they would have known Isaiah 9 and 6, for heaven's sake. What does Isaiah 9 and 6 say? Somebody quote it. For un- Come on. For unto us a child. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and the name, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. Whoa, whoa. The Mighty God. He's the Mighty God. He's the Everlasting Father, and He's the Prince of Peace. And that I looked up the word Father in, in my Bible. I did a search, and the only time that I've read in the Old Testament where the word Father was used in reference to to God was in that scripture. So why did he want to why did he portray himself as a father? So we as humans could understand him, the love of a father to his children. Because he was just Almighty God. He didn't need he didn't need a title or a name. I am. That's what he told that's what he told Moses. <laughs> Who do I say sent me? I am. Self existent one. That's all you need to know. So he had to become a father figure so that we could understand. That's why Jesus, when he walked the earth, that's all he ever talked about was the father, the father, the father. Read it. All he ever does is refer to him the father. I say these things because the father told me, or I do this because the father told me to do it. I, I, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send a comforter, you know, and, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the father will send in my name. Whose name? Jesus, we can go around and around and around. I love this this subject right here. When I hear when I get into a place where I hear a preacher talking about the name of Jesus, and oh my goodness, I could sit for hours 
Because it once you get that revelation, it's like you can't get enough of it. It's just like I can't, words can't describe it. One singular name. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Let's read that real quick. Man, somebody's speeding the clock up. Go ye therefore. That's everybody, right? To, that's what he was telling his disciples after he came off the cross. I've spent three and a half years teaching you. I've spent three and a half years preparing you. Now, don't just sit here in this room. Go. Get out of here. And teach all nations. You can't teach all nations in one building, in one room. Jesus never did his ministry in a building. He went to the temple, read some scriptures, tried to teach them, tried to love them, tried to help them, but then he left the temple. And where did he do 95, 98, 99% of his ministry? On the street. On the street. In people's houses like, like Zacchaeus. He went to sinners' houses. <laughs> he went to the house of sinners. And he got condemned for that. If we'll love the people nobody loves, God's going to give them to us. We don't have to do anything. Just be there for them. Just love them. Just You don't have to be a Bible scholar. Just share the love of Jesus Christ. He died for you. You don't have to live like this. You know, you don't have to, you you don't have to know all the scriptures. You just have to have a love for people. Pray God give you a love for people. He said baptizing them in the name. That name that word name is singular. What the name of the Father? What did Jesus tell Philip? You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now that's the name of the Father, the name of the Son. Well, we know what the name of the Son is, right? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and all that. There's plenty of other scriptures for that. The son is Jesus. We know that, right? God sent his only son. There's only one. Only one Jesus I know about. And the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, I'll I'll not leave you, but I'll come to you. I'll send the Comforter, which is me. I'll be your advocate. I'll be... uh, he, that's who's living inside of you right now is Jesus. So Father was a title given to mankind so that they could have an understanding of who the Almighty God was. I've already covered that. So the Son was a title given to, to the one manifest in the flesh. Didn't, doesn't the Bible say that? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then in verse 14 it says, and the word, that same word we were just talking about in verse 1 and 2, became flesh and dwelt among us. It it was Jesus, right? I mean, I don't have to be a Bible scholar to know that, right? Just moving on real quick. He told them and us that he had all power. In Matthew 28, 16 through 20, he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. That word power there is exousia or authority. That's that's God authority, right? Not just authority for authority's sake, but that's God's authority. In heaven and in earth. And he was sending them with, and what he was saying to them was, I 
because I have all authority in, in heaven and in earth, and I, you're my advocate, you're my spokesman, I'm sending you with my authority, with God's authority, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. Was he specifically talking to any one particular group of people there? Because he, what did he say? Go ye. Who was ye? <laughs> it's like, who are them? Who are they? They, this, they, that, they. They are everybody that, that to whomsoever will. Whoever comes, whoever becomes a servant, whoever becomes a disciple. You've got this name of Jesus. You've got this waterway that turned your life around. Why are we keeping this to ourselves? And he told them to teach. And that, that talks about in Matthew 28, 16, to make disciples, to instruct. And then in another place in Mark 6, verse 16, I think it's supposed to be 16, Jesus told them to go preach the gospel. That's proclaim. That's to go out and to be like a crier. Anybody know what an old town crier was? He would come walk around with a sandwich board on. Hear ye, hear ye. The weather tomorrow is going to be whatever. Right? He would just be like the news guy. We call that CNN or something like that now. But that's what they were. And that's what we're supposed to be. Spreading the good news. Now, I'm not saying you should go out and stand on a street corner on a soapbox and do that. But you, I've said this before. We all interconnect with people where we work, where we live, or where we, where we shop. We, those, that's your field. Harvest it. Pray over it. Turn the ground up. Plant some seed. See what God will do. If some plant, some water, God's going to give the increase. We just got to tell them about the good news. Praise God. Jesus was sending his disciples. He was saying, don't stay here. There's several places where he went to an upper room or he went to a place where he had instructed them to go. And he was saying, okay, guys, I'm here. But don't stay here. Take this thing out. That's what he told them on the day of Pentecost. Take this thing out. And what did they do? They went from where? House to house, breaking bread, having fellowship with all the people, having favor. God's going to give you favor. You'll just go. You'll just carry this thing and go. Don't worry about what you're going to say. He'll give you what to say. If you got this, if you're reading your Bible and you got this stuff in you, He'll resurrect it. He'll cause it to come out of you, and you'll be going, "Where's that coming from?" And God will give it to you what to say in that particular moment with that particular individual. It might not be a, a diatribe on salvation, but it might just be a seed you plant, just some love that you show. Right. It might take six months or a year to, to even get somebody into this building, but that's not up to us. Let God do his work. So he was sending them, and he was telling them, don't stay here. Ministry doesn't happen here in this enclosed space, guys. It happens out there where I took my ministry. He went to the people that were hurting. He went to the blind man on the side of the road. He went to the leper and put his hand on him and touched him. And they all went, <gasps> right? One big Hoover vacuum cleaner moment. 
Because everybody went, oh, my God, he just touched a leper. But I mean, they had to be going, wait, nothing happened. If you do it with the right spirit and with Jesus involved, it's going to be different than people are going to expect. Praise God. I hope this, I hope I didn't try to squeeze too much in here. We have next Sunday for the final lesson and then the following Sunday we have our picnic. So I thank you for, for bearing with me this morning. I pray that God has spoken something to you today. Father, we love you today. We praise you and thank you, Lord. We pray your blessing upon the remainder of this service that your anointing would mightily be upon this pastor that he would minister and preach to us what thus saith the Lord today and that we would hear it and receive it and do with it as we as we need to do with it Lord today in Jesus name we pray amen